It is good to be with you this morning. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. As you may have noticed this morning, Brother Trey and his family are not here. They are celebrating homecoming with uh, his previous church, and so I'm thankful that uh, they are still have a great relationship uh, with the church that he pastored at for several years, and the fact that they are not mad at me still, so for him coming here, so... Very, very glad of that. So, <laughs> but we are so glad um, to have Brother Trey, and so glad that he was able to go be with his uh, people that he had shepherded for so long. Take your Bibles, Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two, beginning in verse thirty-six. I want to go ahead and read this morning, and then we'll give you a little bit of introduction. But let's begin, Luke chapter two, beginning in verse thirty-six. We read, and there was a prophetess, Anna the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fasting and prayers. And that very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak to him to all those who were looking for the redemption of of Israel. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Some of you may be asking, you say, well, Brother Brian, the last time we were here last week, we, we stopped in verse 35. And so you may be going, well, wait a minute, you're, you're skipping a, a good portion of scripture there. D- don't worry, I'm going to come back to that. I promise we'll, we'll get back to that when I get back from Anaheim. I, I want to continue with what we looked at last week. And, and if you remember last week, we looked at this guy by the name of Simeon and, and we found a theme and I want to carry that theme out here looking at Anna because I think they, I think the two themes could, the two people connect under this one banner. And that is last week, the simple lifestyle of the faithful remnant, the simple lifestyle of the faithful remnant at the time of Jesus' birth, Israel was in a spiritually dark place. They, they may not have appeared that way on the outside looking in. If you and I had, did not have the Gospels, if we did not have the Scriptures to tell us what was going on in their day, and we didn't have Christ Himself who reveals to us the sinfulness of these people, many people would probably look at these individuals and look at Israel and go, man, y'all are doing really, really well uh, they had worship services. They, you know, they were a religious nation. They had a moral law. They had these um, religious traditions. Uh, they were big on family. They had a temple. They had they had religious priests and scribes and all of these types of different things. And so, if you were on the outside, kind of looking in, you would begin to believe that that just this was a very religious, God honoring nation. But Christ reveals differently. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus begins to lay out these, these woes to the Pharisees. And listen to what he says in just a few of these verses. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
For you are like the whitewashed tombs, which one on the which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones, all unclean. And so you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Here we find that in the midst of this culture that that appeared to be righteous, in the midst of this culture that appeared to be godly, Jesus reveals to us that they were in fact the the very opposite. They were hypocrites. They looked good on on the outside, but on the inside they were dead, they were dirty. But yet in the midst of this corrupted religious system, there was a faithful remnant we have found. A small band of Jews who were not spoiled by the legalistic and liberal teachings of the Pharisees. And yes, it was very liberal. We always want to think of the Pharisees as being legalistic, but they were liberal as well because they were moving away from the scriptures of of our God. And so Luke introduces us to some of these faithful remnant. He gives us Zechariah and then he gives us Elizabeth and Mary and he very briefly introduces us to Joseph. But in our present text, he introduces us to Simeon and then today, Anna. Two individuals who have genuine faith and have a genuine love of God and have not been corrupted by the religious system, the religious teachings of their day. Dear beloved, they provide for you and I, as I said last week, a model of what it means to be faithful in a day where it seems that the church, where it seems that religion itself is moving away from the scriptures. Where we have begun to move away from God and not begun. Let me just say this started long ago. What you and I are seeing in our world today is nothing more than judgment of God upon this world, upon this country for the fact that the church has moved away. I remember very many years ago, I say many, not many, about maybe 10, 15 years ago, I remember individuals who, Christians who were, who were standing up and saying that when the same-sex marriage stuff was going on and they were telling us that, I, I remember evangelicals who were saying, what is wrong for two people who are in love? And I remember pastors and I remember other Christians who were standing and saying, this is not about love and this is not going to end in the fact that people are just going to be in love. And they're like, you don't understand. You just need to, you need to stop judging people. You need to, you need to be, you need to be a little more free, a little more open, a little more loving. And fast forward to today where we have seen the most ungodly, most demonic things that this country has ever seen all in the month of June in the name of pride. This is not politics' fault. This is because the people of God drifted away from the Scriptures and drifted away from the very, the very thing that God has mandated and ordained. And yet, we try to appear righteous before people Dear friends, we are living in an age very much like Simeon and Anna, where there is an appearance of righteousness, but on the inside we are dead and under the judgment of God. In FBC, we need more biblical models to follow. You, you and I, we need to look to biblical models to follow. For, for our own evangelical culture, we need, to, we need to look to individuals like Simeon and Anna who, who truly loved the Lord and truly began, were faithful to God even though those around them were not. 
The true church of the day is, is ridiculed while the, and dwindles while the counterfeit church is praised and grows. We need biblical examples. And Anna fits the bill. She is a simple woman of profound faith. She is a widow of many years who has spent the majority of her life in the temple worshiping and praying and fasting. And Luke introduces us to her. He tells us not only is she a widow, but she is also a prophetess. That God speaks, uses her to speak his word, to even teach his word. This is not about teaching the, uh, telling the future. She is, she is somewhat of a teacher. Now we know that we have the full revelation of God in the scriptures. There are no longer a, a, a place for prophets. There's no longer a place for office for a prophet. God has now given us preachers and pastors. And those roles are given to men. But we know that throughout Scripture, when times were really bad and times were really dark, God would raise up women like Anna to, to begin to teach the Word of God and things. So we see this. Not only this, she is from the tribe of Asher. Which is interesting because this is one of the ten northern tribes of Israel that was captured by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. They are known as the Lost Tribes. Well, here's what's amazing. In 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 6, we read this. Some men of Asher and some other tribes, but we get Asher specifically. Some men of Asher humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Anna is from this group of individuals who had, who had went away from the Lord. They had drifted away from God. They were judged by God, went into the captivity. But eventually, those people that were left in that tribe repented of their sin and came back to Judah. They came back to Christ, came back to the faithful remnant. She is apparently a descendant of those who have repented it, appear, it appears to us that, that Anna's lineage is one full of individuals who in times of religious and spiritual darkness, there were people who were faithful. And so we see that she's an interesting woman. But what is amazing as all of this sounds, it is what comes next that really provides us a model for us today. A model for faithful living in a religious culture that has drifted away from our Lord I want you to see four things this morning from this young, for this, from not this young, this older lady, this elderly lady, four things. I want you to see her perseverance, her devotion, her confession, and her communion. Say it again. Her perseverance, her devotion, her confession, and finally her communion. Look at verse 36. It says, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow of 84. Notice the perseverance of Anna. Notice that this is a lady whose life was not always joyful. This is not a lady whose life was always filled with, you know, ease and prosperity. This was an, this was an individual who had experienced heartache and pain. She was married for seven years and then her husband dies and then she spends the next 84 years single, a widow. Now, one can imagine the heartache of this. There are those who are here today. You can understand the heartache. You, you, you know the pain of losing a loved one. You know what it means to be a widow or a widower. You can imagine the trials and the temptations and the things that she faced. She could have become angry with God. 
She could, have, she could have become angry with him and renounced him and said, I'm done with this God. He's taken my husband away. She could have turned to a life of sin. Many of them would have. Many people in their day would have turned to a life of sin because life was very hard in those days because of the Roman government taking taxes and money. She could have turned to a life of sin to try to be able to make ends meet. She could have remarried. She could have just focused on her career. She could have done a whole lot of things. She could have embraced the false teachings of the Pharisees and become very uh, religious in appearance of that day, for, in that day. There are numerous things that Anna could have done. But notice the description that Luke gives us. According to his description, she has committed herself radically to the Lord and persevered in genuine faith and service despite the pain and the heartache that she has experienced. We are told that she never left the temple. And those words, never left, speaks of absolute negation, meaning she never left. Some would say that she actually lived on the grounds, maybe. But others would say, well, she may not have been able to live on the grounds, but she would come there. She would leave there when the gates closed, and she'd be back the very next morning when the gates open up. Whatever it may be, the picture is, her, uh, is one of her continuous presence in the temple. In fact, the verb left is imperfect. It's in the imperfect tense, meaning that it speaks over and over again and again. Matter of fact, what Luke is saying is she never, ever, ever, ever left the temple. Dear friends, we have a problem, the opposite problem, don't we? People don't ever, 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 ever want to stay in church. Right? Hannah was the opposite. She never left. This is a hallmark of the faithful remnant. That when times get tough and life is hard, the faithful remain faithful. They persevere. They go to God and they seek to remain in His presence. They seek comfort and from Him. They seek provision from Him. Yet in the American Christian culture, dear friends, I believe we know little of this. It would seem that we are actually the opposite. It actually seems that we have bought in to the culture around us. We have bought into a victim culture. You've been seeing it, haven't you? Everyone's a victim. But the problem is, is that we at the church are victims as well in our minds. We go through some type of pain, we go through some type of tragedy, and all of a sudden we dramatize it before everyone else, and we make ourselves out as though we are somehow a victim. I've just been through too much. It's too hard to come to church. I've experienced this great pain. I've experienced the, the death of somebody. I, I've experienced the, a broken relationship. I've experienced the rebellion of a child. I, I've experienced these, this horrible pain and suffering. And what we say is, is I just can't go to church. I just, I just can't do it. I just can't be there. And what happens is, is many never come back. It amazes me that, that, that we... That, that, Going to church and being present in the church is all fine and good until I experience some type of hardship and therefore I need to go leave the church and go find comfort somewhere else. And we see this all the time. And yet, the whole time that we do it, that we are away from the church, we are away from God, we're actually telling people that God is with us. I feel His presence. 
I feel God, God is with me. Then why are you not in church? Well, I just can't go back. It's just too, it's just too hard. Or how about this one? We, we go through some pain. We go through some heartache. We feel some suffering. And where do we go? We go to social media and we let everyone know. And we look for their comments. Because we want to find healing and comfort and affirmation from the comments of sometimes pure strangers. Rather than to be in the church under the preaching of the word of God. That has been promised to us to be supernatural and healing. We would rather the affirmation of the world rather than the word of God. Dear saints, the the faithful persevere despite tragedy and pain. One of the greatest, most blessed things I have ever seen from a man in our own church recently. That the very next day, the very next Sunday after his wife's funeral, Mr. Howard Pepper comes into this church to worship the Almighty God. And it just broke me. And I say that to one of our own brothers. He comes in and he worships. He said, this is where I need to be. Dear friends, we are not to use the tragedy and pain of this world as an excuse to deny the mandate of God that when our loved ones die and our bodies are consumed with disease and our bank accounts are empty and our faith is persecuted by the very, by the very government that we, have, that we have supported, we are not to forsake even for a moment the, word, the God of heaven. But we are to be found night and day seeking him. And we must not confuse the order here. It was not that her perseverance led to her constantly being in the temple, fasting and worshiping and praying. No, no, no. It is actually the other way around, dear friend. It was the worship and the fasting and the praying. It was being in the presence of the temple. It was being there, the place where she would meet with other faithful remnant people. And she would worship and serve her God that allowed her to do that for 84 years, day after day after day. The question that you and I need to ask ourselves, dear friends, is are we persevering? Because the faithful remnant persevere. When all is bad and all is painful and all is dark and all is gloomy. We go to persevere in the presence of God. And we do it again the next day and the next day and the next day. Oh, dear friends, this is exactly what we are needing in our day. Is pain and heartache keeping you out of the church? Then you need the means of grace found in worship, found in prayer, found in fasting to keep you going. Don't run from these things. Don't run away from them. Embrace them. But secondly, notice her devotion. Notice that it continues that we are told that for 84 years she never left the temple serving night and day in fastings uh, with fastings and prayer. Now, the Greek word here in serving is latruo, which according to the Vines Dictionary, there's a distinction between service here, between that of a slave and that of a free man. So, so the slave is mandatory. This word here is it's not mandatory. It is it is free service. And it's free service with joy. It's free service with adoration. So, so what you have here is, is you have a woman who is worshiping and serving. And it's the same thing. 
serve service and worship worship and service she's doing she's doing all of this and she's doing it freely and with joy unto the lord now in a declining religious culture the mark of being part of the faithful remnant is a devotion it's not just a perseverance in your faith but it is also a devotion to the worship and the service of god and so as i said earlier we do see a decline in this of those who are who are instead of you know, never leaving the temple. They're always leaving the temple for, for us in our own modern day. This would be Sunday school. This would be worship. This would be Sunday night and this would be Wednesday night. In our modern day. So for her, it was every day. But in our own modern day, th- these are the times in which we we meet in the place with other people that we may worship and we may serve in fastings and prayer that we may do ministry with one another. Do you remember what was considered an active church member 20 years ago? Remember what it was? Tom Rainer said 20 years ago, a church member was considered active in the church if he or she attended three times a week. Today, a church member is considered active in the church if he or she attends three times a month. So you could actually attend every Sunday worship service every month. Today you are active, but 20 years ago you would have nowhere been close to being defined as an active church-going member. Let that sink in for a moment. I, I know we talk about the business of the world, we talk about the cult, we talk about life. I get it, life is hard, life has got a lot going on. But dear friends, what we find with the faithful remnant is this. They do not forsake their commitment to the worship, to the fasting, to the prayers, and to the service in their own local church body. Christian church members no longer feel compelled to devote to their, themselves to their attendance. They, know they, they devote themselves to the one service or maybe another two or three times. But now flip that around, if you will. Flip that and make that a comparison to your other things, to your job. If you only devoted one or two, you know, three times a month to your job. If you only devoted two or three times to your hobby. If you only devoted two or three times a month to your family. Two or three times to just fill in the blank. Would you call yourself a dedicated, faithful worker? A dedicated, faithful father. Dear friends, the faithful remnant is a group of individuals who are devoted to being persistent in worship Sunday through Sunday. Sundays in Sunday school and worship and prayer meetings on Wednesdays. Discipleship on Sunday, you know, in Sunday school and so much more. We saw this in the pandemic, didn't we? We were told, and let me just say this about the pandemic. One of the things that we were told, the pandemic, COVID, is not what truly hurt church membership. I've been thinking about this because churches are still talking about this, how no one wants to come back to church. And and, and even Ed Stetzer, who was one of the biggest proponents of shutting down churches, has come out and said, nobody wants to come back. I think we made a mistake. Don't normally agree with Ed Stetzer on things, but I will agree with him on that. But as I begin to truly ponder on this, we were we were setting ourselves up for that a long time ago. We were telling ourselves long before COVID ever came 
That it was okay that we are not persistent in church. It's okay that if we miss church, it's okay. You can worship God in the woods while you're hunting. You can worship God on the lake while you're fishing. You can worship God here. You can worship God there. We've been doing that for decades. And now we're reaping the benefits of it. Where those who have joined in covenants will not even come back into the church. But dear friends, the pandemic was only the first test because now you are about to face a whole new test. The talk of inflation is everywhere and we see it that going to the gas pump is extremely hard where we just I had a conversation this week where we really have to begin to think through those things where it used to be I can go to Ruston if I forgot something it was like oh no big deal I can go again later but now we're actually having to begin to go where where do I go I've got to choose my destinations because I can't afford another hundred dollars worth of gas and so we're looking at this and we're going, I, I have to be careful. I, gotta, I really got to plan out my week and know how much food I'm going to buy, how much gas I'm going to get. And eventually we're going to begin to make sacrifices. And the true test of the faithful remnant will be this. Will they sacrifice going to church? Will they sacrifice their prayers and their fastings with the local faith family? Or will they sacrifice the other things and be devoted to the mandate of God? How you answer, dear friend, will define whether or not you and I are in the faithful remnant. For Anna, she was faithful. She sacrificed so much in her life. So many things that she may be found in the house of God. But let me point out something else at FBC. And this is something that, that I've seen several people struggle with over the last five years. And I understand this. And, all right, and one day I will truly understand this. But I want you also to take notice of something else here with Anna. Notice her age. Don't miss that. And I get it. I'm, I'm 39 years old and I don't understand what, it, what it's like to be 70 and 80 and, and 90 I understand that, but, 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 but Anna does. So take notice of her age. So, so if she was in her mid to late teens when she married, which was customary, she would have, that would make her over 100 years old. Let that sink in. Some scholars believe she's probably around 104 years old. So, so, so let it sink in. You have a single widowed woman over 100 years old who has not failed to continue her worship and service to God. Anna did not allow the age, her age, the weakness of her body, the hardships of getting up in the morning and the hardships of going to bed at night. To hinder her from gathering to worship the Almighty God. As we get older, the temptation is that we would come to Sunday school and leave. And the temptation is not to go to prayer meetings and to not go to Sunday school. The temptation is to go to Sunday school but not go to worship. The temptation, dear friends, is, is quite tempting. I'm just too tired to not go. I've been serving the church for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years. Maybe it's time that I retire. 
Dear friends, the faithful remnant never retire. That is a thing, that is a concept and a philosophy of the culture. It isn't found nowhere in Scripture. FEC, do you want to know what the most important number that I found at Vacation Bible School was this week? It wasn't the children. The most important number that I found in Vacation Bible School this week was is to look around and to see how many volunteers we had. Because let's just be honest, sometimes it's hard to get a volunteer. But we had bunches of volunteers of all different ages. And many of them were older. And so as I walked through the halls of the church this week, do you know what I saw? I saw a bunch of Annas. I saw a bunch of Annas. A bunch of ladies and men who who probably were going, you know what, I'm really tired. Amen, somebody, right? You you be dealing with some of those kids, you tired. Right? And it was tempting for you to say, I ain't coming back tomorrow. I ain't coming to Sunday worship. I, I, need a, I need a vacation from vacation Bible school. But I walked through the halls of our church and I rejoiced because I saw some Annas. I saw some Simeons. Individuals who were serving God and worshiping the Lord. Dear friends, we need more Annas in the church. Men and women devoted to the service of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they do not let their work or their age or their tiredness or their joints or whatever it is, fill in the blank, to hinder what God has called upon them to step up when they are needed. Dear friends, as we move forward, what you need in this culture, hear me, beloved, I get some of you, you're thinking, Brother Brian, I have done a lot. I, I'm 80. I'm, I'm not, I, I've done a lot. Dear friend, hear me. God is not done with you. And if there is anything this generation needs, if there is anything this world needs, it is older men and women, older godly men and women, to stand up and say, this is not right. This is not right. We need people like you. Please, don't give up. Press on. Be devoted. Notice thirdly, her confession. We read it says, at that very moment she came up and she began giving thanks to God and she continued to speak of Him to all those who were looking for her for the redemption of it, for Jerusalem. You say, well, what moment was this? Well, we go back, as I said, that, that portion we missed. Simeon, he takes Jesus into his arm and he begins to sing. He begins to praise God. And Anna's like, what's going on? And so she comes over there. You, you can almost imagine Simeon going, Anna, c- come here. C- come look who I got in my arms, right? I, I, I mean, this ain't, this ain't no McAllister baby. Like th- th- this ain't none of those church babies. I mean, those babies are cute and wonderful, but this is the this is the son of God. 
And he calls her over and, and they begin to sing and she joins in. And that, that word to give thanks, it literally means to confess or acknowledge it. It speaks of, of open public confession before, the, before God. And it's a returning of thanks to God for what you are confessing. So she and Simon are here in the temple probably there in the courtroom of, of, of the courtroom of, the, of women and they're 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 praising God holding up Jesus Christ and they're doing this together giving thanks now you say why is this intriguing it's intriguing because he's 40 days old he's not 33 he hasn't he hasn't cast out a demon he hasn't walked on water he hasn't turned water into wine or healed the lame. He hasn't done any of those. Things. He hasn't raised the dead. He's just a baby. And without any doubt, they lift him up and they say, this is the Savior of the world. And you want to know what else is amazing about this? Who do you think was in that temple? Who do you think they were surrounded by in that temple? They were surrounded by the whitewashed tombs. They were surrounded by the very men who would one day in 33 years would kill this child. And seek to have those who worshipped him and confessed him as Lord killed as well. But they raised him up. And they said, this is Christ, the son of God. They made a public confession and praise of Jesus Christ. Dear friends, the faithful remnant publicly confess Christ. This is a mark of us. Our faith and our hope in this life is, is not in anything else but in Christ and Christ alone. No matter if it may bring persecution and death to us. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. Anna was not expecting her salvation to come from the law. She was not expecting her salvation to come from a religious system. She had believed the promise that God would send a Savior. And the Holy Spirit had guided her to this child. And here in the temple, without any type of works, without any type of fear of what may happen to her, she says, this is the Lord God. Dear friends, our culture wants you to believe and confess and praise their philosophies. Our culture wants you to believe and confess and praise their systems. Our culture, our culture wants you to believe and confess and praise their, their martyrs and their leaders. Their, their models. Salvation is not found in the diversity. It is not found in the tolerance of sin. It is not found in, in governmental justice and human justice. It's not found in perversion. This is why June has been so, we've been so inundated and indoctrinated with this LGBTQ stuff. It is a promotion. It is, it, it is, it is jamming. They, they want you to see this. And if you're not going to be a part of a, if you're not going to confess this with us, then you are not one of us. And you must be punished. They want to convince you to confess that their philosophies and their way of life is truly righteous. 
and is the power on to salvation. This is a cult. This is a religion. The Pharisees of Anna's day were no different. But Anna was faithful. Simeon was faithful. They confessed Christ and Christ alone. They confessed that they were sinners and that the only way of salvation was through Jesus Christ who would give his life on the cross and who three days would rise from the grave. Dear friends, God promises that all who embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior will be saved. That all who are not afraid to confess him he will not be that he will not be afraid or or to confess us that all who proclaim him he will bring in dear friends the faithful remnant boldly make the confession that jesus is the only way this is what we praise we do not praise praise pagan philosophies and political ideologies we do not confess that to truly be united and to truly be accepted in this world. We do, we do not confess that we must give in to sin and move away from Christ. We confess that He and He alone brings righteousness. And that Jesus is the only way, is the only hope in this world. Do you confess that? Is that your confession, dear friend? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Christ is Lord? Have you repented of your sins? And are you willing to stake your life on that confession? If not, I would invite you, or if you haven't, I would invite you to know the truth of Christ. And then finally, notice the communion. We see that she continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of his, for Jerusalem. You see, Anna was a woman who held communion with other saints. Now we see that she's devoted to worship. We see that she persevered in her faith. We see here, you know, that she, that she stands boldly on her confession. But, I, but, but sometimes I think we get this part confused. We look at this and we think that what we read there is that Anna was evangelizing. Now, I believe with my whole, whole heart that if Angela was, or Anna was evangelizing the laws, but that's not what she's doing. She's actually encouraging the saints. You see, those who had the same hope and faith of her. She, she goes and she's going to her faith family. Because notice what it says. She says that she was going and she was speaking to him to all those who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This was her church. This was her faith family. Take notice of the adjective all, which indicates that she told every one of them who was looking, who had the same hope, who had the same doctrine as she did. Different. This teaches that Anna and Simeon were not just loners in this world. You see, this, this idea of, I, I have my faith in Christ and what may come, hell or high water, I'm, I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need anyone else. I don't need a faith family. I worship Jesus at home. I can, I can do it anywhere I want. Anna is encouraging the other brothers and sisters in the faith. You see, she could have kept what happened to her and Simeon to herself. She could have justified it and she could have said, this is between me and God. This is my blessing. This is, this is what I got to experience and, and they can go have their own. She could have said, this joy is mine and mine alone. But she doesn't do that. You see, the faithful remnant encouraged the rest of the faithful remnant. 
And so she goes and she tells the news of Christ that the Messiah has come. News that would bring them hope. News that would bring them joy. News that would strengthen their resolve to persevere. Dear friends, we have seen this somewhere else, haven't we? We've seen this in the book of 1 Kings where many of us want to be like Elijah. The loner, the lone wolf, the prophet who, who stood against Ahab and Jezebel. We, we, we want to be like Elijah, right? And we go and we, and we go stand before those prophets of Baal. And man, we call fire down from God and he, he consumes them. Yes, God gave us Elijah. Praise God for Elijah. But even Elijah was wrong. Even Elijah got prideful. He said, God, there's no one but me who has not bowed the knee to Baal. And do you want to know what God told him? He said, Elijah, there are 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Let me introduce you to one of them. And his name was Obadiah. A man who was serving in the king's court. And he went taking care of the faithful remnant. Dear friends, that's what Simeon and Hannah are. They are the faithful remnant. They are the Obadiahs of the world. They're the Obadiahs who, who have seen and heard of Christ. They've, they've witnessed Him and they're going and they're sharing. And they, they, they come together in communion and they want to encourage Clay and Melanie. They want to encourage Don. They want to encourage me. They want to encourage Mark. But that's the Obadiahs, dear friend. FPC, the faithful remnant are not loners, but in the spirit and days of spiritual darkness and compromise of the church, the faithful remnant stick together and work to hold one another steady. They work to hold one another faithful. They stick together because we know that to love Christ is to love the bride, to love one another. For no one can say that I love Christ and hate his bride. How would you feel if I was to walk up to you and say, man, I love you. I can't stand your spouse. I can tell I'd probably get punched and fired. I love you, but I don't want to have anything to do with your spouse. Simeon and Anna experienced the greatest joy ever. And they run their faithful remnant to share with them what they have witnessed. FBC, we need more people like Anna in the church. Those who love the fellowship of the like-minded believers who seek to foster that love in others, who encourage the resolve and the joy and the hope of others and who pray and hope together while looking to the second coming of Christ. Dear friends, we are living in the days of first kings. You and I are living in the days of Elijah and Obadiah. And we are looking around and what we are more distraught about is not that there is sin in this world and that not that there is perversion in this world, but that those that once stood to our right and to our left have now moved away from us and are now starting to look at you and I as though we're the weird ones. As though we are now the enemies, the non-Christians. But dear friends, may I share with you this day 
that just as in the days of Elijah and just as in the days of Simeon and Anna, FBC, there is a faithful remnant today. We don't know who all, who all they are yet, but there's a faithful remnant today. And many of them are fighting and many of them are praying and many of them are fasting and many of them are serving. Many of them are worshiping. They are, they are laboring. Dear friend, my prayer for you is this, that you would join the remnant. That we not be moved away from the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the word of God. And no matter what may happen at a convention, no matter what may happen at a church down the road from us, but that here at First Baptist Church of Jonesboro, we, the church members of our local faith family, like Simeon and like Anna, would stand on the promises of God and not be moved. We will persevere no matter what tragedy may come. We will be devoted to the worship and to the prayers and the fastings of this local church. Dear friends, we will publicly profess and confess to the world that Jesus Christ is Lord and his way is the only hope that we have. And dear friends, we will be, we will be in communion with one another that we may work together that all of us here, all of us here will persevere together and be faithful to the end. Because as I told you last week, it is the faithful remnant who will lay their eyes upon Jesus Christ our King. Thank you. Let's pray.